0: What's up, ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoopball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at Hoopball Clips, and follow me, at BDMarcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Boy, we're in it now, aren't we? Whoa, moly! It uh, poof! It's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. Good morning. If you're listening to this in the morning, good afternoon. If you're not, this is Fantasy NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vesperis, and we are getting reports coming fast and furious out of the NBA, mostly from Woj, about who has tested positive for the coronavirus. Now, last week, we got these reports, and at the time, I think I said something like, well, you know, to be honest... I believe it was mostly about the Nikola Jokic one. We had legitimate proof of what he had been doing and how he ended up with COVID. They said he was asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. So there wasn't, we were told not to be concerned in any way. And it was a week ago, which was two weeks away from when teams were heading to Orlando. Teams are heading to Orlando about a week from now. By the way, it's four weeks and two days. Uh, We're exactly 30 days from the the start of the NBA season, if we get there. I have a few thoughts on how this whole thing shakes out. First of all, uh, thank you all for listening. Really do appreciate that. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Appreciate you guys giving us your time. Quick mention here at the beginning of the podcast, if you are a sports betting head, we're expanding our sports betting division now. You've heard me talk about adding DFS people, uh, and adding salespeople, if you are a sports betting enthusiast, we are adding people on that front as well. So hit me up on Twitter at Dan vespers or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com is our email address if you don't have Twitter or uh, social media to get in touch with us. Again, bringing on folks for betting, sports betting, DFS, and sales side. In fact, the only group I think we're not really adding to at this exact moment is the full season fantasy operation. Uh, but honestly, if you were really good and you hit us up, we'd probably look at you for that as well. All right, so let's break this whole thing down from uh, a number of different standpoints, and I think I don't want to start with a, a thesis sentence here because I think it's important we look at all the information and then come to a conclusion. I will say the one thing here at the beginning is that most of what we're hearing right now is a result of tests administered last week. Okay, This is a really important distinction to make. The Spencer Dinwiddie, the DeAndre Jordan tests, uh, the fact that we've heard now a, a couple of Denver Nuggets staff and players uh, the, it, within the traveling party was the tweet from Woj. Positive tests within the Nuggets traveling party. They closed their practice facility. The Nets closed their practice facility. Uh, there were three Pelicans who tested positive for COVID. Th- this, by the way... Listen, we only heard about 16 positive tests among the players, and between the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Pels, I think we're already about a third or more of the way there. So I don't know. Maybe those teams were the ones that had the the big blowups. I don't know. Uh, I know that some of the the positives we're hearing about from those individual teams are on the, the staff side and the 16 out of 302 players tested is not actually including the staff, so whatever. Point is, uh, we're seeing positive tests on a number of different teams, and there's this weird, there's sort of a weird reaction to say, well, don't restart the season. And I, I, I constantly want to caution people from jumping to conclusions on stuff like this. Look, uh, let me preface this with the same thing I prefaced it with last week. Selfishly, I obviously want to watch basketball. I am bored as hell of watching reruns um, and Disney movies <laughs> because, you know, we got a toddler around here. I need something new. I need some sort of new content, just anything to break up the monotony of the... Uh, this extended statewide personal shutdown, whatever you want to call it. So yes, selfishly, I want to see a basketball game. I also understand that there are risks associated with this, because if something does happen inside the bubble, it could spread pretty quickly because teams are in hotels together. Teams are playing against one another. It is... It's life as normal, business as normal, but within a bubble. So basically, it's like if we were having, if we had not taken measures to contain the virus back in March, right? One person gets it, you got people that congregate, and then other people get it. I will say this, though, in the bubble's defense, there aren't going to be 19,000 fans in the arena, so it's not like it would be a super spreader event. And then the other side of this same coin, the coin that right now is saying, well, these guys have it already. It's everywhere. How can we restart a season? Well, the other side of that discussion is these guys are getting it anyway. If the argument here, I'm I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, but I want you guys to come with me on this thing. If the argument is you can't start the season because players are going to get covid they already have it i'm not saying that that's a reason to restart i am continuing to express trepidation you guys have heard me talk about baseball i mean to me that seems like just a horrible I i can't wait to watch a baseball game if we get to see one but it seems like an awful idea that 1800 baseball players are on the honor system that ain't gonna work have you guys looked at social media There are a lot of people out there that will not do the things that keep them and their loved ones safe. I don't know why, but they just won't. At least the NBA is putting everything inside a bubble. At least. It's not perfect. Listen, I get it. It's not perfect. But the fact that these guys have COVID now outside the bubble where we don't actually know what they've been doing. I know that there's been this whole, like, I guess Spencer Dinwiddie's been defending himself from people saying, what have you been doing on Twitter? Uh, I get it. And people do get this thing even when they're being careful. It happens. But it doesn't happen as often as folks getting it doing what Nikola Jokic was doing. People are not taking this as seriously as a lot of us think they are. Here's the thing. There's a lot of lens stuff that goes on with news like this. I am looking at it from a lens of someone who has done almost nothing for four months. My wife was 38 weeks pregnant when the NBA shut down. So we knew immediately we weren't going anywhere. We were going to have a newborn in this home where there's almost no data on infants with COVID. They have data on kids. Kids seem to do fine, you know, 3 to 18-year-olds, to but they really didn't have much data on newborns and infants. So we're like, look, we're not taking that chance. We're not taking that chance. So we've gone nowhere. I went to the market a couple of times the first three or four weeks of the shutdown, then I figured out how to use Instacart, and I literally don't go anywhere. I don't even like walking in the neighborhood because most people don't give me six feet. It stresses me out to see other people right now. So I'm looking at this from a lens of someone who has been an 11 out of 10 on the cautious scale. And I think a lot of you guys listening to this podcast are probably coming from a similar point of view. I think we, as a group, NBA fans, Twitter people, whatever we, fantasy enthusiasts, we're not all the same. We're not all the same. But I think generally, I would say the majority of us are coming at this from a lens of... We are watching the science. We are genuinely concerned about what's going on. And so the idea of restarting sports sounds frightening. But I need to take a moment to look at it from the other side, and that's why I'm presenting this argument. I guess I didn't mean to get caught up in this really long thing here, but I think it's also important to look at it from the other side, which is, are we actually protecting these guys from anything? by not playing the season. They're getting it anyway. And the tests that were taken a week ago on the 23rd was just a snapshot at a moment in time. It's quite conceivable. I mean, think about it this way. The, these tests generally return positives for anywhere from 5 to 14 days if you have COVID, sometimes longer than that, if you have severe complications. This is just a snapshot. On June 23rd, a week ago, a lot of these guys probably had it and got better or had it and were asymptomatic and it went away. Like the idea that 16 out of 302 of the NBA players had it in this moment. Think about how many probably have had it since March. Remember, we got a bunch of positive tests right out of the chute. And then everybody went into full lockdown, or did they? Then people started opening up, April, May, places started opening up. I mean, we're talking about multiple months here. I don't know if they'd done the antibody tests on these guys to find out who may have had it in the past. I think we've decided that those are not particularly accurate. But here's the thing. If we cancel the NBA season, let's say hypothetically they do shut it down, how many of these guys do you think are actually going to go home and do what I've been doing, which is locking myself inside and exposing myself to nothing? I work I work exclusively from home. All my phone calls, all my emails, all my podcasts, everything that I do is out of basically a corner of my bedroom. How many, do you think, how many of these 302 players and staff do you think are going to be sitting at home? How many do you think are going to go play a pickup game How many of the staff do you think are going to go to a restaurant with a friend or a family member? I see it on Facebook. My friend circle. Idiots. (laughs) It's driving me nuts. People that are like, hey, my birthday's coming up this week. Who wants to go out? No. Don't do it. So why do we think if we cancel the season, these guys are going to stay home? I don't know that this really is more dangerous for a lot of these guys. For the coaches, for the coaches, I look at it from a very different set of optics. If they cancel the season, I'm betting Greg Popovich is staying home. And that scares me more than anything. Put that man in a damn bubble and sit him nine rows back of anybody else in these stinking games. It isn't worth it for a team that ain't making it. I really, and and maybe it's a lack, maybe it's a lack of trust in a certain age group. I don't know. But the fact that we're seeing so many positive tests, like, look, I'm not saying it's easy to avoid COVID. I'm saying it's easy to avoid COVID if you can stay home. A lot of people can't. A lot of people have to go to a job where their boss makes them go to a place and do work and be exposed to other people. Those people are in a tough spot. An nba could stay home. And I'm betting some of these guys are. I bet you LeBron called everybody on the Lakers and was like, you better sit your ass at home. Like, let's find out how many positive tests come back on the Lakers. That, I'm very curious about that. I, let's see how many positive tests come back on the Clippers, the Bucks. Those teams haven't leaked out yet. Because those teams really want to win a championship. I think their leadership has been like, don't screw this up. We have a legitimate shot. Don't screw this up. Anyway, getting sidetracked a little bit by other lines of thought here. My main line of thought is, is it, I, I, real, I mean this legitimately, I, I know that like, you say something like this, and then everybody's going to start coming after you. But I'm asking this as a legitimate thought exercise of some kind, or just a real question. Is it actually more dangerous for the players to be in Orlando playing versus whatever they're doing right now if they're getting it anyway? They're getting it at the same rate as the nation is getting it. They're doing The cross-section of the NBA is a perfect cross-section of the nation right now, apparently, just in terms of actual activities and exposures. If you put them all in a bubble and try to isolate, I mean, this really might be safer for a lot of these folks. It might not. I don't know. The one way that this gets really bad is if it gets into the older coaches. That's what makes me very nervous. So... We shall see. I I guess the point of all this is, these tests were from a week ago. The idea of shutting down the league because players are getting sick in their own areas, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't see the connection the way that other people are making it seem like it's so obvious. I think I'm a pretty sharp guy, and I, I think that I'm pretty pragmatic. I think the Nuggets had one additional positive come out this week in addition to the... No, that's not right. Yeah, that is correct. So that was probably someone who got it from the other guys at the practice facility. I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the point of the quarantine. We have to get this out. Players have it. You quarantine them, and then you put them in an area where it doesn't exist. Anyway, I'm not seeing the connection between somebody catches it in Denver, they shouldn't go into an isolated bubble. Theoretically, theoretically, if you don't bring the virus into the bubble, it should be safer. You should be able to play with one another. The question is, what if somebody brings it in? Right. Then you then you have to be very cautious, and that's where the testing hopefully will help us out. So, yeah, selfishly, I want to see it. Uh, I'm terrified of everything right now, completely petrified of every single thing that's happening in the universe. Uh, I'm intermittently paralyzed by fear, which I think makes me a pretty good candidate to look at this stuff with a reasonable lens. I have things pulling me in both directions, and what I'm seeing here is... uh. What does someone's habits outside the bubble have to do with the safety of the bubble, if we can track them, basically? Some of these teams are gonna get a late start on things, that's for darn sure. A lot of these uh players that have tested have been asymptomatic. The one uh well the two that haven't been asymptomatic that we've heard of at least are Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan. So we segue now into some real names on this list. Uh, players, because of HIPAA, the names are not coming out for most of these guys unless they talk about it themselves. DeAndre Jordan has now officially opted out of the bubble. After yesterday, we talked about him being a guy worth drafting. He's not anymore, and Jared Allen now is. So, farted on yesterday's podcast. Whatever. His health is definitely more important than yesterday's podcast. So, get well. DeAndre Jordan, well aware that his Nets team is not about to make a deep playoff run is sick, is concerned, is staying home. Spencer Dinwiddie is still questionable. He's got the questionable tag to accompany the team to Orlando. If he doesn't go, well, you're going to probably have to get Karis LeVert in the second round. <laughs> you are go going early in these resumption drafts. Uh, some leagues are open now. Pick'em leagues are open. The Roto leagues are not open yet over at Fantrax. The Pick'em leagues look kind of fun. You'll get to pick a center, a forward, and a guard every day. It has to be a different one each day of the resumption. Uh, so you can't reuse anybody. And they've got a $100 prize on the line with a, uh, sort of their debut league. So check that out. That's over at Fantrax. Thank you to Adam King for bringing that to our attention. Um, so that could be kind of fun. We'll obviously let you know as soon as the Roto and Points leagues are open that's what I'll be jumping into myself because I want this to be something that I'm focused hard on. Um, phrasing, Bespris, Phrasing. Uh, that reminds me, by the way, we are partnered with Manscaped.com. I guess you guys probably followed my train of thought there. Manscaped.com. They spent a year and a half upgrading their lawnmower. This is the 3.0. I know I've said it before. I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about this LED light. That illuminates where you're shaving. I don't know. maybe you guys have brighter bathrooms or homes than I do, but uh, my home is dark. We have lots of lamps and it doesn't make it lighter. We do not have uh, recessed or tracked lighting in our two-bedroom apartment here. We have whatever lamps we can hook up and a southern exposure and a lot of rooms that don't that face the side of another apartment complex. So there ain't much light, a uh, light in a sideburn trimmer or a trimmer of any kind is a really big deal. And the biggest part of this is, come on, man. I never ask you guys for anything. We need this to be a great partnership, and we need your help to get there. So use coupon code HOOPBALL20. HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com. No pinching. No pinching. I'm actually going to shave my neck today. With the lawnmower 2.0, I have the last iteration of it. Good stuff. Would love that LED on my deal. May I will send it in and ask for ask for an upgrade? Uh, I might go get one myself actually. Hoopball twenty again. The promo code twenty percent off and free shipping. I know we haven't talked a ton of fantasy at the front end of this podcast, but with all these tests coming out, to me it just felt like the right time to dig in a little bit on the the COVID and the bubble stuff for the first time in a couple of weeks on the show. Um, just. In terms of uh, what it means that these tests are coming out, frankly, I think for the league, it might be better if they hadn't told us how many players on different teams have it. Like, do we really need to know that three Nuggets have tested positive? Is that necessary for the general public? Um... I, I I don't know if it, it. to me it's it's creating unnecessary fear among all of us, but I, I do you know and that was the point of today's discussion, which is should we be afraid of the league resuming if this stuff is happening anyway? And again, my my thought is really the the grown-ups in the room, Alvin Gentry. Doc Rivers, Greg Popovich, the head coaches that are 60-plus. Is Doc 60-plus? He's close if he's not. Gentry, I know, is 65. Pop is over 60. D'Antoni's over 60. Almost forgot about D'Antoni. I don't know. Worries me about the coaches because if something does sneak in there, they're uh, in a spot where their habits are probably pretty different with a basketball unit than they were at home. These, these guys were probably pretty well-isolated for the last three and a half months. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, maybe they, were, maybe they were the ones that tested positive. What the hell do I know? I just, to me, what what we're seeing here is it seems like for the younger folks, the 20-somethings, I don't know that the habits are going to be that different. Now they'll just be in a safer bubble. And then for the older folks, maybe that's where the habits are different. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Listen, I'm not saying we need to do one thing or the other. I'm not saying we have to start the season. I'm not saying we have to cancel it. I'm just saying that there's... To me, there's a more nuanced discussion that needs to take place than what generally happens on Twitter when we hear uh, three Pelicans have COVID, you know, 5,000 replies to original tweet that all say, shut her down! By the way, Kevin Durant announced he would not be accompanying the Nets to Orlando, which, I mean, tree falls in the forest kind of thing, so whatever. Whatever. Um, As long as we're already 20-some-odd minutes into this podcast, uh, my original plan was to do a mailbag show today, but like an idiot, I forgot to tweet about it yesterday, so no questions. (laughs) Dan, you stupid. If you don't tweet it, no one can send you anything, but uh, we'll get a mailbag show going at some point later this week. Today, what I'd like to do is now start to—listen, we spent the uh, last it six, seven shows discussing the individual teams going to Orlando— Uh, we've now quickly hit on what happens depending on which guys are opting out. What I'd like to do is now take a look at the actual ranking board from the regular season and start to pull names out just so you guys can see what it might look like if we don't make our adjustments to it. So for instance, let's just start at the top and, and use the first round as an example. This year, the top We'll do 10 at a time because it's just easier that way. The top 10 in nine category leagues by, on a per-game basis was Anthony Davis, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Carl Anthony Towns. I paused there because one of the guys that's not going. Kyrie Irving was number five. Yeah, that's another one. Damian Lillard, John Collins. Hello. Hassan Whiteside, also notable in his downward trend here. Uh, Nikola Jokic, Bradley Beal. That was your top 10. The reason that's interesting is because even within the top 10, we've talked about how you know we're making this general 27% adjustment with where guys are going to end up. I think that's going to catch a lot of people by surprise when they get into these resumption drafts. That's why this part of our prep is actually going to be pretty useful. Instead of what we were doing before, which was creating a hypothetical, this kind of, Uh, mythical future when these names are not on the list, let's just actually do it. So just for argument's sake, let's pull out the guys that aren't playing in the bubble and see just what the top 10 looks like without them. Damian Lillard becomes number four, Hassan Whiteside becomes number five, Nikola Jokic becomes number six, and Bradley Beal becomes number seven. Three of the top 10 players aren't even going to be in Orlando, and Hassan Whiteside, you could make the argument with Zach Collins and a banged-up Yusuf Nurkic coming back. Woof. Easy, Bespris. Don't try to talk too fast. He's probably not going to be inside the top ten either. Probably. Anything's possible, I guess, but I'm going to say probably not going to be in there. So if we were to remove Hassan Whiteside or at least drop him to the back of the pack and figure out where we're going to put him later, you're talking about now a top 6 that survived this shutdown AD James Harden Kawhi Leonard Damian Lillard Nikola Jokic Bradley Beal that's your top 6 now LeBron James becomes 7 Jason Tatum becomes 8 like these are these are weird things that you wouldn't expect to hear because even as we're talking about these guys it's like yeah well you know Jason Tatum was number 12 but I can't see him going much higher yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. 27% of 12 is still three, and in our particular case, it's four guys that are outside from in front of him. So it's actually more than the 27%. It's more. It's 33%. A 27 to 33% bump is colossal. As it happens, a lot of the players that aren't going to be in Orlando are clustered inside uh, the top eight. Four of the top eight are not going to be there. Uh, Or I should say three of the top eight and then Whiteside, who's not going to be inside the top eight. And so we actually have to start picturing in our heads and then start writing it down on top of that, where these guys are actually going to end up and how quickly names come off the board when you remove 30% of the names on the board. I think probably a lot of you will find this to, it'll feel a little bit like a keeper league. You know, a keeper league, everybody gets to keep, every team gets to keep one, two, three guys, something like that. So, uh, by, you know, by the, depending on what kind of keeper league you're in, by the second or third round, the names coming off the board don't look the way they're supposed to, if you catch my meaning. In a normal snake draft with everybody available, redraft leagues, second round, third round, whatever, when we talk about that, it's pretty predictable. Guys go near their ADP. That's what it's for. In a keeper league where, I mean, let's say hypothetically it's it's like the one that I'm in where guys are kept at wherever they were drafted minus two rounds. So somebody was drafted in the sixth round, you could keep them at a fourth round uh, payment the next year. By the time you get to the third, fourth round, there are 10, 15 guys gone because they've been kept in later rounds. They've already been kept. So other guys get shuttled up the board. Fifth rounders go in the fourth or the third. Sixth rounders go in the fourth or fifth. That kind of thing. So you're going to see that, and it jumps up on you pretty quick, especially if you've been doing a lot of redraft drafts, and then you jump into one where there are just a bunch of players missing. It can throw your brain for a loop. So this part of our preparation is really less about understanding where we're going to draft guys from an order standpoint, but understanding instead how it's going to jump on you. We have to be mentally tough. We have to be mentally ready for these players to come off the board really fast. Like, you have the fifth pick. You're now debating between uh, Dame, Beal, that type of player, instead of, at the beginning of the year, you were probably debating between Cat and Giannis. It's going to jump up on you real fast. So let's just continue put some names on the board here. Uh, after Bradley Beal was at 6, LeBron James, he'll be in the bubble. He would have been 7. Jason Tatum would have been 8. Had he continued, Jimmy Butler would have been 9, which shouldn't be that surprising. Here's a fun one. Chris Paul would be number 10. If you pulled out the uh, non-bubblers. I'm going to use that term going forward because it was fun for me. It's also worth noting, by the way, Uh, That between Nikola Jokic and Jonathan Isaac, I should say Joel Embiid, Isaac's probably not playing. You have a stretch there of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys in a row that are actually all going to be in the bubble. So there's, there's a clustering element here where now it starts to level off a little bit. Chris Paul, you would have expected there would be about three to four players missing from in front of him. And exactly that's what it was. Now, as long as we're on this part of the list, we might as well pause and decide if we want to move any people around on this list. Remember, we just went through all the teams to figure out what we wanted to do with these guys. Uh, Anthony Davis at the top? Probably not. The Lakers, as we've talked about, are likely to be clinching the one seed within the first four games, I would think, of the lockdown. And you can bet your butt Anthony Davis is not going to be playing 36 minutes a night after they've locked up the one seed. He'll be settled probably at the 20 to 24 range. Again, that's why we love JaVale McGee uh, so much here, especially if Dwight Howard doesn't come along. We'll wait and see if he changes his mind. sounds like he's going for now. Uh, I don't think Anthony Davis can be number one. So let's now rebuild our top ten with these players out of the way. Uh, James Harden, to me, has to be number one, and and I don't even think it's all that close. I would strongly consider Damian Lillard at number two if I wasn't also petrified that Portland was going to be out of the running for that seeding, that play-in game within the first four or five. So what you're probably looking at at number two is a debate between three things. Those three things being how many games does Anthony Davis get to play, How many games does Kawhi Leonard get to play? And is Nikola Jokic going to be fully healthy from COVID when this stuff all goes down? Because Denver's probably going to be playing him seven or eight of those games. Call me crazy. Call me crazy. I might consider Nikola Jokic here. I know it's a bat bleep insane thing to do when you've got Anthony Davis still on the board and Kawhi Leonard. But think about it this way again. Uh, Jokic, I know, was number nine on a per-game basis during the regular season, but if you flip it over and look at what he did this year by totals, Jokic jumps up to number three behind who? James Harden, Anthony Davis, and in a dead heat with Damian Lillard. He played seven more games than Lillard. He played ten more games than Anthony Davis, and he's sandwiched right in between those guys. What does that mean for the resumption? Well... Eight games, meaning, again, roughly we're playing 10% of an NBA season. So Anthony Davis playing 55 games during the regular season, and Nikola Jokic playing 65 games, is the equivalent of Anthony Davis playing one less game than Jokic during the resumption. We're working on totals here. There's also the issue of, well... If Anthony Davis actually does play 6, 7, or all 8 of these games, what is his minute per game going to look like? Probably not that high. I can't imagine he comes out of the shoot in game 1 here playing 32, 33, 34 minutes. They're probably going to ramp these guys up, and by the time he's ramped up, they may have clinched their spot. So AD might very well average 28 minutes a game during this resumption campaign. Jokic might be higher than that, because as he gets ramped up, whether it's COVID or layoff or whatever related, they'll probably keep playing him in the 30s as the resumption winds down. And as we talked about with Dame already, if he and Jokic are really that close, they're almost a dead heat for the third spot by totals. Uh, and Jokic played about two-thirds of a resumption game more than name. I think we can pretty much bank on Jokic playing more than Lillard here during this resumption season. I don't think Portland's going to make the play-in game. The Grizzlies should hold on to that spot. Uh, their, their schedule is tougher than the Pelicans. Not that anybody really has an easy schedule, but to me it feels like if anybody's going to catch them, it'll be the Kings or the Pels. I, I don't think it's going to be the Blazers. But you know what? Again, anything can happen. Either one of those three teams has an an outside shot at it. So, suddenly here, at the number two spot, we're debating Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis. I don't think we're going Kawhi Leonard. They're going to be very cautious with him. There's almost no way he plays, you know, more than, I would think, six of these eight games. Why? What's the point, right? I mean, as long as they can hang out in that two spot and and frankly I don't think they'd be that upset if they fell a little bit. They need they want health whether that's disease or injury. Kawhi isn't probably not going to be my number 2 guy. So there you go. There's your evidence laid out before you. Do we think Nikola Jokic can play two more games than Anthony Davis? Because one game Kind of split their difference here during the regular season. Two games would bring them into a statistical dead heat. At the two spot, you probably still need to go AD. Barely. If but barely. But I would not fault you if you went Jokic. And I would only fault you a little bit if you went Damian Lillard. So that answers our question then of who's going to be in the three spot. Nikola Jokic is your three. Dame is your four. Kawhi Leonard is probably your five, assuming he's going to play six of these games. Because to me, the only player on that list that has a legitimate shot of getting past Kawhi Leonard would be LeBron. That's probably your one opportunity to get by him, and I don't think that's happening. So at five, you're going Kawhi. And I hope we've laid out the reasons why he's probably playing about six games, which isn't that far off from the percentage he was on during the regular season. He was at 51, so he'd missed about a game and a half, quote, of the resumption campaign, and that put him in a six slot behind Harden, AD, Jokic, Lillard, and Whiteside was the other one in front of him here. And so he slots up one spot. I think he pretty much stays right on course. Interestingly this year, by totals, the number seven player in the NBA was Chris Paul. You guys need to think about that. Because the players we're still working with from our previous list are Beal, LeBron, Tatum, Butler, and CP3. Those are the five names we still need to use to round out our top ten. Would I dare go Chris Paul in that next spot? Well, one of the reasons that he was able to jump in front of some of the guys ahead of him, like Bradley Beal, is that he played six more games than Beal did. He played four more games than Jason Tatum, three more games than LeBron James. If you level those out, Chris Paul falls back behind those guys. But honestly, it's not that far apart. So my thought here on this 6-10 through range, which again... Beal, LeBron, Tatum, Butler, Paul. You go with the guys that you think are going to get closest to eight games played. And of those five guys, the ones that would feel seemingly be the closest, you'd eliminate Bradley Beal. We've already actually heard from the Wizards that they're going to be keeping tabs on his minutes. I don't even know that you necessarily need to put him inside the top ten, but we probably will because of the craziness he was doing before the shutdown. He was, you know, top 3-4 guy for a while there and number 1 actually for the last 3 weeks so we'll keep him in the top 10 at least for now we'll bring in some other names here as we get to the next grouping of players on this list but for now we're going to bump him to the bottom of the list we're going to move LeBron to the bottom of the list because there's almost no way he goes full bore for all 8 of these games and so now you're picking between Tatum, Butler and CP3 from what we've talked about and this is more standings related than anything else, the Thunder are currently the five seed in the Western Conference. What they don't want is to fall to the seven. If you fall to the seven, you got the Clippers. Similarly, over on the Eastern side, the Heat are embroiled in a pretty good little battle as well. We don't want to forget that. Miami, 41-24, and 24, two games up on the Pacers, two and a half back of the Celtics, also two up on the Sixers. They're in a different spot, because they're in a battle, but there's almost no chance they're going to fall any farther than where they're at, and there's almost no chance they get high enough to get an easy team in the first round. So for Miami, there's a lot of, okay, well, let's you know, let's get our, our ducks in a row. I think they'd probably rather play the Pacers than the Sixers, but they may not really have a choice. That'll depend heavily on what the Pacers and Sixers do in this resumption campaign. So of the players we're talking about here, Jason Tatum being the other one, Celtics three back of the Raptors, two and a half up on the heat. I think they'd love to chase down the Raptors if at all possible, but I doubt that happens. He's the young guy. He's the young guy. I think that's what this comes down to. Tatum's body probably bounces back quicker than Butler or Chris Paul, and in this crazy, mixed-up, twisted world, I think Jason Tatum is probably your sixth pick in the resumption league, I think Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul. You're splitting hairs a little bit at that point. I probably go CP3. Uh, we've seen Jimmy Butler kind of take some nights off this season, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went a little easy, considering the outcome of these next few games is doesn't really change who they're going to be playing in the playoffs all that much. Uh, I probably go LeBron ahead of Beal just because I think he'll actually play through the games, even if his minutes are diminished late, and then you could probably go Bradley Beal uh, at number 10, although you could very easily, in my estimation, flip-flop those guys. So that's how you take the guys that would have just ascended into the top 10, removing the players that are either obviously not going to be there, being Hassan Whiteside, or actually, physically, not going to be there uh, in Cat, Kyrie, uh, and John Collins. You could make an argument that if you went a little bit farther, say Joel Embiid, if you included him in this, uh, Nikola Vucevic, if you included him in this, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is down at 20 this year, it's possible you see those guys ascend into this group. And so that's what we'll do. This was not your exact top 10 for the resumption league because I think I might even make the argument that, uh, I mean, I would strongly consider Vooch over... Uh, Sheesh, I might even consider Vooch over LeBron James at this point. If I think Vooch is going to play all eight games, I think the Magic want to get to the seven seed and stay out of the eight. Deal with Toronto instead of Milwaukee coming out of this thing. Um, LeBron was a lot better than Vooch during the regular season, but again, we're talking about what if LeBron only plays six out of the eight games and Vooch plays eight? He becomes likely the more valuable player of those two guys. So we'll, re- we'll readjust this stuff as we bring some of the other players in. I just wanted you guys to see. By the way, I don't know that I would change the top six based on what we just talked about. I'm not sure I'd change my top seven or even top eight. The LeBron-Beal contingent at the bottom of that group is is where you start to say, well, what if they don't play X number of games kind of thing? So I think what we've done today is probably lock down our top six, maybe our top eight And as we bring more players into our list, we're going to start going through and we're going to start rearranging these guys and showing, okay, this is how you create your resumption era list. You remove the dead names, the ones that are not actually on the board. You move bodies around. And we don't want to move guys too much, remember, based on what they're going to be doing. We move them based on whether or not we think they're going to be playing. So this is a totals ranking board, ladies and gentlemen. This is not per game. Totals are everything during this you need your top guys in particular to play all eight of those resumption games or as close to that as humanly possible let's put a pin in this thing tomorrow we'll include a bunch more names we'll actually start to sort these things out it'll be a more uh, realistic list uh for today i think you can just safely say we did our top six and we'll pick up from there uh, either tomorrow or the next day i'm hoping i can remember to actually heaven forbid put out a tweet on uh Getting our mailbag stuff going. Again, check out Manscaped.com. Promo code is HoopBall20. Help this podcast survive by buying stuff so that we can look great for our advertisers. It would mean the world to yours truly, Dan Vespers at Dan Vesperus on Twitter. Check out HoopBall on Instagram, at HoopBallOfficial. Hit me up if you want to be a DFS head, a betting head, or a sales head. That's not a thing, but it is now. At Dan Vesperus on Twitter or Team Hoopball at hoop Whatever the hell day it is, it's 30 days away from NBA. Have a great 30th day away from NBA, and we'll talk at you again tomorrow, everybody. This is a hoopball presentation. So long.